welcome to the Retro Blood. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood as we finish up our 1980s Vampire Month here in February 2024. Up next, if you all like suave uh, fruit eating vampires. Named Jerry. Named Jerry. <laughs> Very creative over there. If y'all like a kid who, whose name is Charlie, who would rather stare on his neighbor than have sex with his girlfriend. If y'all like a guy named Billy, who's like a mutant monster uh, familiar gatekeeper guy. If y'all like some guy named Ed, who's like some annoying... A punker guy who turns into a, a vampire then this is the film for you brother because the retro blood is talking all about fright night the original fright night by the way too 1985 mm-hmm. jay austin james Kite, what's happening allison we are finishing up vampire month i think this has been a really fun month so far how you been it has today? it has it has and it's been great man and uh we're in my opinion we're saving the best for the last um although Dance of the Damned. Oh yeah, that was a hell of a movie. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this movie is a classic. So yeah. I've wanted to do this movie since the show started, and I'm really surprised you'd never seen this movie. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've heard about this movie before. You know, the name always comes yeah. up to mind, like Fright Night and everything. And I didn't realize there was a couple of things I didn't realize when we were uh, when we picked this one for the end review. For our Vampire mm-hmm. Month. First of all, I didn't realize that it had a sequel. And the sequel was in the 80s. So, I was like, oh, shit. Because usually, you know, if the movie has, like, a sequel and stuff, I like to do them, like, kind of closer to each other. But it just, yeah. you know, because we were coming down to the wire. Um, we had this movie picked out and another movie picked out. Um, so, we just kind of just picked Fright Night, you know, to kind of, like, round out the month. We think it would be a really good class- classic one. But I just didn't realize it had, like, a sequel after that. Um, and I also didn't realize like there like the, there's like a lot of history when it comes to this uh, film as well too. Um, not only did it get a, a sequel in the 80s, but it also got a remake, all right, in the 2000s, yeah. and then it got another remake within the 2000s. Really? Yeah. So it got like because there's the remade twice. Yes. So there's a fright. I did not know that. Yeah. So there's a fright night. Uh, that came out, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure the exact date, but it came out in the 2000s. And then there was a Fright Night mm-hmm. 2, which was, it was called Fright Night 2. But the story was basically just retold from the first movie. <laughs> so it's not like it's even okay. a sequel to like the remake that happened. So, but you know, that's how they do it. But yeah, like, and then they're talking about maybe doing some, uh, then there's like, there's a comic book series for this film as well too and there's a book series too talk about the origins of fright night too so and this one is kind of interesting so this one like you know we we've seen we've done these different vampire movies for this whole month um kind of like the different styles of vampires that we'd be getting you know we started off with the vampire hunter d and we you know we, we count magnus's uh, boredom throughout the years and that's kind of like his main driving force uh, we talk about the hunger, and we talk about you know just the 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 Countess Miriam in that one. Uh, her 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 love for trying to find you know her connection throughout years, even though all of her lovers would die and come back like zombie men in her little 
whole place. And then we had the dance of the damn guy who just wanted to sunbathe in the sun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then this one was like, I think this one was more of the classic vampire. The only thing that kind of like threw me off that I thought was kind of interesting was his um, his fruit eating. Well, yeah, like a like bats eat fruit. Yeah, exactly. So and I thought that was pretty neat. Like, you know, because, you know, yeah, I know. I thought that was actually pretty neat because I don't think I've seen that before. Because usually no. when we have vampire characters, you know, they can't eat, they can't eat anything or they can only drink blood. That's it. You know what I mean? Like anything else to make them sick, they would throw up and shit. But this one's like, you know, that makes sense. He's a fruit-eating bat. Okay, there you go. So I thought that part was yeah. pretty cool. And I liked it how this guy, um, this vampire Jerry, of all names, I liked his, uh, <laughs> he, he was very, um, I thought his, uh, his, his, he's very good at seducing the lady folk. Well, yeah, um, I mean, he's played by Chris Randon. Yes. I mean, like, you know, like you can be like a totally like, you know, heterosexual male and know that that guy's hot. Like, yeah, there you go, bro. <laughs> he was, and also Chris Sarandon was actually, uh, strangely enough, was married to Susan Sarandon, who was in The Hunger a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, there you go. See, they all not tie. at this time. They were married like in the seventies. And I was surprised that he actually was the voice of Jack Skeleton. Yes, he was the voice of Jack Skeleton. I was like, okay. The uh, I think he was the speaking voice. I don't think he did the singing. Yeah, he was the speaking voice. Yes. Yeah. So, but we'll talk about more of that when we come to who booked this shit. But yeah, this one was Ooh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to like kind of dive into like the uh, the plot and the lore of this. Um, yeah, the vampire um, film. So, one thing I did want to mention is like this movie kind of is. I don't know if you're familiar with this term. Are you familiar with the term deconstruction of a genre or or anything like that? I'm not sure if I'm explaining myself right. Um, like, what but do you basically, mean? it's. Like, okay, so basically, like, I came to know that term from, like, deconstruction of superheroes in comic books. So, like, for example, like, Watchmen. Like, you're familiar with Watchmen, right? Yeah. The comic book series in the movie. So, basically, that's a, what they call a deconstruction of superheroes, which means that, or the way I take it to mean, or the way I use that term is, like, what would, like, what would these people, what would these characters be like if they lived in a real world? So, like, Superman, for example, it's hard to imagine reading a Superman comic book or watching a Superman movie. It's hard to imagine that in the world that you live in. Like, it's a, it, you know, it's like a completely separate, like, you know, reality almost. But in a, in Dracula, to me, is the same way. Like, that's hard to imagine that in a real world. But, you know, Watchmen is like, what would superheroes be like if they were real people? And to me, this is kind of what this is like. It's like a deconstruction of vampires. It's like, what would a vampire be like if he was a real person? Yeah. And I kind of think that that's what Dance of the Damned tried to do, just didn't do it very well. But I think this movie does that really well because Jerry, I mean, first of all, he doesn't have some like weird like Eastern European vampire name like Brahms or, or something like that. Yeah. Like he's like his name. He's Jerry. You know, he was he was Jerry Dandridge, and then he became Jerry Dandridge became a vampire, and now he's just living as a vampire and eating fruit and you know, you know, killing hookers, but, um, but the, um, uh, but yeah, so it's like, to me, it, it, this movie's I like it, especially because it's kind of like what a, a vampire in a real world would be like. He doesn't do anything weird or he does supernatural vampire stuff, but it's like, you just feel like he's a real person, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I liked it too, you know, when we get into the, uh, the Peter Vincent character where he was just like an actor on the television program but uh, yeah. he but he turned he actually turned into a shoot 
vampire killer at the end, brother. Right. I have a lot to say about that, but we'll get there. So let's we'll do our there. history segment first. Let's do the history segment. So this movie came out in one of our favorite years. Me and Allison always talk about. Um, yeah, I think we, I think me and you both agreed before we got on here that 1984 and 1985 is one of our mm-hmm. favorite years for wrestling and horror movies. Absolutely, and metal too, and, to, to a and degree. metal too. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot going on. You know what I mean? And you can see like the the uh, the kind of uh, switch. You know, like I think when people think about the 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 height of the 80s, they kind of think about like this two years right here. You know, particularly. 84 and 85. Um, so there's a couple of things mm-hmm. we got going on. So this movie came out August 2nd, 1985, brother. So we got a summertime release over here yep. in the deep August, the deep hot month of August. Um, so, you know, this is actually a, a couple months after WrestleMania. So, you know, WrestleMania 1 happened in March, all right, mm-hmm. of 1985. And, you know, the WWF was hot. You know, coming off that big WrestleMania, it's kind of weird to to see you know wrestling in this area because you know nowadays we would have like a pay per view pretty much every month, but you know back in the day, yeah. brother, they only had like maybe one big event televised or something like one event a year. You know what I mean? Um, well, yeah, because I mean until WrestleMania, I don't know if it was absolutely the first. But WrestleMania was like the wrestling pay-per-view, right? Yeah. Like that was the one of the first times you could watch wrestling on pay-per-view. Yeah. Or had to watch wrestling on pay-per-view. And still like closed circuit as well was mainly what mm-hmm. most um, wrestling did with their big shows. Like I know Starcade was a closed circuit. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, so speaking of that, we have the opposite promotion at this time that we're going to be talking about, which is Mid-Atlantic, which is Jim Crockett Promotions. All right. And they and I didn't realize this until um until I so there's an episode y'all can find on Peacock. So if you go to the Cock Brother, all right, if you mm-hmm. want to follow along or watch this episode, it's gonna be the August third, nineteen eighty five episode of Mid Mid Atlantic. That's the one we're doing. But I don't know what I did at, at first. I was I was watching like the wrong episode. Okay. And then I realized like, wait a minute, Uh-oh. this shit didn't come out in April. That's the one I was watching was in April. But there was like this cool little graphic, which I didn't realize at the time. That's why I'm bringing it up. Where 1985 was the 50th anniversary of Mid-Atlantic. Which is crazy to think about. Because they started, I guess they started this promotion in 1935. Yeah, I mean like uh, yeah. Crockett Senior or what, I mean like not even like, not mm-hmm. even Senior. Like Senior's dad, I guess, started... Yeah started uh mid-atlantic originally um so that that's crazy to think that the kind of history that they had yeah exactly. um 50 years this ago. is also about the time that i first got into wrestling um like i i can remember seeing wrestling with my grandfather on sunday mornings um a little bit before this um but i can remember like coming home um from church and wrestling being on. I can remember like Marty Robbins, the country singer had a TV show. And then after that wrestling came on and, um, this was going to be about the time that I would start getting into wrestling really heavy. So this would, to me, like brought back a lot of memories. Yeah. Uh, about so. And this is a fun show. Like this one right here was their mid Atlantic show. And like this show was mainly, 
you know, I would say squash matches, but you did got get some pretty good uh, main, you know, two main people going, two main stars going at it as well too. Kind of like how they did their um, their uh, their Saturday show where it was just in that little sound studio, which is yeah. weird because like so on so on the 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 Peacock um, mm-hmm. when you go when you look up uh, WCW Saturday Night, it doesn't it doesn't start until like November of 1985. Okay. Right. But then mm-hmm. before that, you got to go to the Mid Atlantic um, television show that they did, which w- they would pretty much they you know around this time how they film TV is they they would have a couple tours and they would just film certain matches on those tours and just use it for their TV. Yeah. Um, but 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 when, I, when we were watching this episode, it was weird because they they cut in to the sound studio, so I was thinking like, okay, were they doing? Did, was there like two different shows or one? I just I. You know. I don't know. Yeah. So that's something that I cannot actually figure out. Yeah. And if I could, if I ever went to one of these wrestling conventions and met somebody like Jim Cornette or somebody from that era to explain to me what show, what show went where, because he, like, somebody like that would know. Yeah. But like when I was growing up, I did not have cable. Like I know that for a fact, cable wasn't available to us. We'd never ever had it. We only had an antenna, and we had the three channels that everybody else had. But I was able to watch wrestling. But from every wrestling historian that I can talk to, um, and by historian, I mean people who know a lot about wrestling, um, there was the show that the the Crockett show was on TBS at six oh five. But I would not have been able to watch that. So there was some show that was on weekends on Saturday and Sunday um, that had wrestling, and it was similar to this show. It was it looked exactly like this show. Um, it had the same credits and everything, um, but had matches just like this. It had squash matches, and then they had the promos where you followed the story, yeah. which is really what you got to kind of do when you watch these shows because you're not going to get big, high-profile matches on the TV because that was all for the – you had to buy a ticket to see that Yeah, um, back then. It was all about putting butts in seats, as Tony Schiavone says. Yeah. But, um, but the um, – um, but there was some show that was like this that I could watch. It was an hour long. So I'm guessing that I watched the Mid-Atlantic show, but I could never see the Saturday night show because, you know, it was on a, it was on cable. Yeah. So it's just very interesting like that. Like, I liked how they like cut in to that format too. But um, let's talk a little bit about this show. So we start off like, I mean, you talk about, <laughs> you talk about a dingy arena, brother. I'm talking about a ring, a crowd, and one big ass spotlight. <laughs> that's well it. that's the uh that's the uh tv studio no 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 even the uh the uh the arena that they were in oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yes oh that's what you were asking about before i interrupted you so yeah so like apparently um i can, i noticed this too so and and usually they don't do this on the mini atlantic show but like they would you're right they would go and tape a show like say in spartanburg at the memorial auditorium and they would cut some of those matches into their weekly show. Yeah. But they would also do a match in the st- in matches in the studio. And if you see, like, when you see the camera zoom out, like, where they're doing those interviews is, is right beside where the ring is. Yeah. Right there. You, you can see that when, um, <clears throat> you can see that when the Rock and Roll Express are talking later on because Ricky Martin says, okay, there's a match going in the ring right now because you can hear them, like, banging around. Which you know, I think is him saying, "Okay, we got to hurry this up." Um, but uh, but yeah, so they would cut in 
some of those matches and then kind of do interviews in the studio is what it looked like to me. Like, I thought that was weird too. Like, I think you noticed the same thing I did. It looked kind of weird. Like the crowd in the studio couldn't have seen that match, but they were talking about it on camera. Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, it's just interesting. But so this match, this, this kind of starts off. We got the, uh, the Russian, uh, uh, trio squad over here. Yeah. All right. I was like the, the Russians, man. I like that, you know, especially mm. that Nikita Koloff, the Russian sickle. I thought he was Russian, fucking yeah, great. great. And he was on this show twice. I was talking about it now. Like, they're in, like, this six-man. They beat these jobbers' asses. And then he comes back. Yeah. He beats his other jobbers' ass. All using the Russian sickle. Seeds. And then we had um, Ric Flair and everything talk about Nikita Koloff. So it sounds like they were trying to, you know, build up a match between these two. Um which I bet was fantastic every time they got in the ring. So we also had um, a promo with big the big cowboy. He's looking for nature boy, Buddy Rogers. He's looking for his ass. Um, and this, this one I thought was really interesting. Was we cut back to the studio. And it's Jim yeah. Cornette doing a promo. Introducing his brand new tag team, the Midnight Express. Yes, I was going to bring that up because yeah. I forgot to mention that earlier. So one thing about 1985 that's special is that that was the time when they they uh, first introduced everything that I know about Crockett Wrestling Yeah. other than Ric Flair and Dusty. Although I don't think Dusty had been there very long at this point. But um, everything that I knew that to me is, you know, is Crockett Wrestling um came in 1985 so you got the so the um i think the russians had been there a little bit but you got um um midnight express and then Ole and arn anderson would show up so you got to consider the uh the horsemen are brand new too the horsemen had just formed well no no no. i don't think the horsemen's there yet because rick flair was a baby face on the show Like they're, they're Ooh, the horsemen. Yeah, they may not have formed the horsemen yet. Yeah, right. I'd have to look up that when they formed. But yeah. you're right. I don't think that had happened yet. They're all um, there. They're all there, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not like at this particular time. They're not together. Okay. That, all right. You're right. That mm-hmm. hasn't happened yet. Um. But yeah. So. But um. But yeah. The um. The road warriors aren't there yet either. But the men express just showed up as a brand new tag team. They came from, I believe, mid south. If I'm not wrong. Um, and then you would also have uh, Ole and Arn Anderson, who hadn't been there very long. Um, but yeah, this was uh, this was really cool to see Midnight Express in one of their first Crockett matches. Yeah, apparently this is like the second televised match that they had, and mm-hmm. it was they. I liked how they like named their names. Listen, guys, we got Lover Boy Dennis Condry over here. We got Beautiful Bobby yep. Eaton coming out there. Yep. Good old squash match, and I thought Bobby he has a really nice like high knee that he hits. And then yeah, it was like a high knee yeah. in the clothesline. I was like, damn. Like these guys yeah, are I, fantastic. I mean, it's a, I was about to say that that must have been like seeing that for the first time. Yeah. Must have been like just inspirational for people. Like, you know, you had the oh, Rock yeah. and Roll Express who were feuding against the Russians. But now, like, I could see this being like so to me, this would have been exactly like seeing FTR show up in AEW. And then saying, okay, this team is going to have some great matches with the Young Bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you got the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express going together. And, the, you know, you can just tell that these guys are going to have some great matches in the next year or two. Yeah. 
Because they were also, you know, Men and I always said down their promo too that they were listing all the tag teams that they're gonna yeah. be fi- fighting. And I liked when they do that. Like I like when they list the 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 challengers that they all have because it makes your promotion seem like it's jam packed with great talent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they should do that nowadays, especially AEW. So, uh, speaking of uh, another fantastic tag team, Allison's favorite tag team, the Rising Suns. Yes, the Rising Suns. We have Rising Sun 1 and Rising Sun 2. When I looked at their profile, know. that's where they're... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do you know anything about the Rising Suns? So, I kind of, like, I, not really. Like, they're, they're actually two prominent Japanese wrestlers, yeah, but I don't really know. T- I was trying to reading about them, but I didn't really know too much about them. Um, yeah, one of them, um, I can't remember which one it is. I think it's Rising Sun 2, is uh, Tatsu Toshigoto, who yeah. would later on be, I mean, he would be pretty big in New Japan, I guess. Yeah, that's the one. But he would be uh, in NWO Japan. And um, the other one is um, uh, Kazuo Sakurada, who would be also pretty big in Japan. But neither one of those guys would make it very big in, in the United States. Well, um, yeah, they're a fucking mask on. I mean, what the? Well, right, they're wearing masks, but I'm guessing they were on excursion at this point if they yeah. did that in the 80s. But, uh, but yeah, I did so like they're... their finish though. <laughs> yeah, a springboard chop. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. We gotta bring that chop. back, brother. The springboard <laughs> chop. Yeah, we need somebody to do the springboard chop. That's, that's a that fantastic fucking finisher. <laughs> and they face they face Sam Houston and Pat Tanaka. They basically beat their ass. Yeah, so question for you that you probably may, not, may or may not know the answer to. Um, so Pat Tanaka, is he the first Asian face wrestler? Ooh. He might be. I mean, because, unless there was like, somebody before, in like the 30s time, or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, because I mean, because, you know, you got to consider like, especially since World War II, every Asian wrestler that I can think of was a bad guy, but Pat Tanaka was clearly a face. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Pat Tanaka, I think is an American, but, but still he, you know, he looks Asian. Yeah. So he, that would have been good enough for these people, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like weird. He's either the first, um, I wonder if he's the first face, um, uh, Asian, I almost said Oriental, excuse me, <laughs> Asian wrestler. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Like I said, I don't know that deep into like who was over as a baby face, maybe in like in the seventies or the sixties. But you know, yeah. maybe in this promotion, he might be. Yeah, because like like you were saying, like usually if you're from a not American background, you were a heel. All right. Yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, that's yeah, really, that's interesting. We we'll have to look that up later. But um, but up next we have the return of Magnum Ti with his face all fucked up. Yeah, and that looked bad. <laughs> I mean, that looked like I got like that road rash really in that bad. bitch. Yeah, yeah, that looked really bad. So, uh, but yeah, he. Sorry, go ahead. So, what I'm thinking about this one is, so he lost the U.S. belt, all right, to Tully Blanchard, and yeah, July the 21st. Yes, and we're seeing footage of the match happen, and then, you know, long story short, basically the some random security guard gave him some yes. brass knuckles, and that's how he knocked out. Tully Blanchard with the brass knuckles, and that's yes. why, and that's yes. why he got the big bruise on him. But I, you know, that that looked more like a motorcycle accident bruise to me than brass yeah. knuckle shots. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like he yeah. wrecked his bike or something, and that's what ha- what happened with that. But yeah, yeah who could this uh, who could this security guard be? This blonde female security guard. 
Who who could she possibly be? Is it Precious? That's, a, that's what I was no, thinking it's baby, it was. It's baby, it's, no, it's Baby Doll. It's Baby Doll. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, because remember she... So what was going on that around this sense. time, storyline-wise, if I remember correctly? Now, this is just coming off the top of my head. But um, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, so she was with Tully, and then Dusty had beat Tully for, like, Baby Doll services or something like that, which is why she comes out with him later on. Um. But uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what had been going on at this time. But yeah, that that but she uh, but Baby Doll had come out for this for that match as in a disguise to give uh, to give uh, Tully the uh, the weapon to yeah. beat Magnum TA with. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll get to them, Dusty and uh, we'll Baby Doll Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> that interview was, was something else. Okay, <laughs> 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 so. So Tully Blanchard's explaining all this stuff, and he's like pissed during the, during the whole time. And then you know later on, we actually get a good squash match with him beating somebody's ass. And I, when yeah. I was watching this whole thing, I'm like, "Fuck, bro!" Like if Adam Page looks like his fucking son now, okay? Yes. Yeah. So that's what he looks like during the whole thing. I mean, he looked exactly like his son now. So, um, but then ne- next we actually have a uh, an interview from. Tully Blanchard himself talk about him winning the U.S. belt, and he gives us like this like story about like yeah you know when I lost my TV belt to Dusty Rhodes and everything I used to go to airports and I'd be late they usually just let me in and when I didn't have the belt they would they said I couldn't come on the plane <laughs> I was like well they, he says that, that they that uh, he was two minutes late and they yeah. had to open the door for him or something whereas before when he was a champion. He uh he could be thirty minutes late for a plane and they would hold it for him. So, yeah. uh, so now 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 he's back where he needs to be, yeah. where he can just show up whenever for his flight. Yeah, he has the nice silver belt. He was saying, and then it's like this is only one step down from that you know big gold belt that fucking Ric Flair has. But you know he's he basically saying he is uh, he's back where he needs to be on top. Uh, and then this is when we come back, and then this is when we get the Dusty interview, brother. And I, I could not believe I was watching this with my own two eyes. So like Dusty's yeah, there, and the first thing he says is, "Yeah, look, look, look how much, look how good I cleaned up this Jezebel over here." <laughs> I was like, "What the hell?" And then like, I guess first, like I, you know, I we don't we kind of just jump in over here on the retro blood. It's not like we're watching this, like you know. Like episode by episode, so at first I'm thinking, okay, are they like together, just like the man? No, this guy's just pissed off at her. Like he's like, "Don't touch me! Don't you ever touch me!" All right. <laughs> that All right. was like, like, and after like, she had this like, she played this really well. Like she had this big smile on her face, like you know, like she was getting too dusty. But I'm wondering yeah. if like she just couldn't like, uh, she just couldn't keep a straight face because I couldn't keep a straight face, like. When he turns around and says, don't, he's like, don't you touch me. Don't you in your life ever touch me. Yeah. Like, I just busted out laughing. Me too. I, I was like, was my the, God. That was so fucking funny. And <laughs> that was that. I mean, I yeah, I couldn't really believe what I was seeing. But yeah. And then it, she says, it, like, it's it, really nice that uh, Tully Blanchard is the U.S. champion. They just leave. So Well, she yeah. So she says, um, um, like, he says something about um, about Tully cheating to win. And then she says, "Well, one thing I know is it's it's really good that uh, 
it's it's good that, that Tully's champion again, and then he turn around and walk off. Yeah, yeah, because you know, like the Dusty and Tully, they had a big you know rival because Dusty's the guy who beats you know Tully for the, the US for the television belt. He's still the television champion right now, but now Tully gained another belt, so they're still you know they're still feuding at this time as well. Uh, and then they they put Magnum in there as well too. So now we get a this is when we get the Magnum squash. And he's so pissed off. He does a belly to belly in the ring, does a pin, then he does a belly to belly on the outside. And then once they leave, like, first of all, like I was saying, I was like, man, this is fucking Adam Page's dad right here. Okay. He looks exactly like they, they, this is very similar. All right. With their presence and the style that they do. And I liked it uh, when we were going to commercial, they called Magnum TI the American heartthrob. Well, uh, you know, yeah, that's probably not far from the truth. Yeah, I got that mustache and the mullet, brother. There you go. So now we're back with babyface Ric Flair, the traveling mm-hmm. NWA World's Champion at this time. He talks about how Magnum Ti, TI is going to uh, pick up his, uh, uh, you know, his, uh, the loss. He's going to take it like a man and then come back and be a strong challenger. All right, and this is when he's talking about him and Nikita. They're eventually going to fight each other. And you know, like Ric Flair, I noticed that the 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 Ric Flair babyface around this time, like when he would come back, he would talk about everybody in the territory, kind of like he was like the uh, the narrator. He's like, yeah, we got all these great tag teams coming over here. Like he's saying, like Mid Mid Atlantic's my favorite territory to wrestle at. There's just so much great talent around here. Like he's kind of like the na- like I I like that because he's kind of like the narrator to everybody. He's kind of like he he feels like the actual world's champion. You know what I mean? Like right. I like it when the world's champion comes out there and they're talking about how great their their roster is. You know what I mean? Because he's excited for all these challengers coming at him, and I feel like that's a really yeah. good babyface like champion should be like that. You know what I mean? Like if you like, I get a heel like he, he just you know says shit about everybody, but I, you know I feel like a really good babyface champion should be like that. Like you know we should have like Rollins coming out there. And be like, you know, hey, every, you know, I, I'm so, you know, look at this big tag team we got going on over here. Look at this guy. Look, we just signed this guy. He's going to be a, a, a force. I can't wait to wrestle him. You know, stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I, I like this Ric Flair promo when he was talking about, you know, the whole territory and how, like, hot the territory feels, you know? Yeah, like you were saying, AEW, I think, could really use that. Well, when they have a baby face champion, yes. But, you know, Samoa Joe, he ain't going to come out there and, you know. <laughs> no, but I mean, they could use like their big names to that. Kind of like how um, when Edge uh, came out at Wrestle Dream and then he was on the um, the press conference at the end and he was talking about how like, oh, I came here because, you know, facing Okada. Like, I, I hated the way he put it. It sounded really stupid and egotistical. But like when he's saying like, you know, facing somebody like Okada, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Like it would be kind of cool if they come out and said, oh, I'd love to face these people. We just signed. Okada, so I would love, the, you know, I'd love, it'd be cool if yeah. I faced Okada in the ring, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, they come out there on, like, an interview and something, like, yeah, we, you know, this AEW is, is taking over. Like, we just got this guy coming in here. Uh, this guy is over here is making waves. You know what I mean? And then we got this old bastard Christian. You know what I mean? He's been tearing up and cheating. I can't wait to get in the ring with him and teach him a lesson. You know, stuff like that. Like Exactly. You know, I, I like those kind of promos when you're a baby face where you... You're like you feel like the rock, the locker room leader guy. You know what I mean? Like you're you're the guy that you you want to go after people, and you know people are coming after you. You're like the main focus. I like that that style world champion. And I feel like 
even in WWE, that's kind of lost a little bit too. You know what I mean? Like that mentality mm-hmm. of because you you know like you have your main people that you might talk about. You know when it comes yeah. to wrong, you know like they all do it. AEW, they all do it. But I like it when they talk yeah. about oh well, you know like it, it'd be like. If Roman, well, this would never happen. <laughs> it'd be like, if, if, like, if Roman Reigns came out there, oh, like, yeah, we just signed that Braun Breaker guy. I can't wait to test my skills against him. You know what I mean? But mm. that's just not going right. to happen. So this is when we get the Rock and Roll Brothers. They actually just became the tag team champions. They do a quick, fun little match. The crowd's super hot for them. And then they come back. And then now they're talking about all the great tag teams that they want to face. I'm like, fuck, why is this lost? In wrestling. I just don't get it. They're talking about, you know, I'm so excited to get in the ring with these Midnight Express. They look like good challengers. We still got the Russians in our back. You know what I mean? We got, uh, uh, you know, the they just talk about all the teams. You know, they got all these teams that they need to face. And they list about three or four teams that they all want to, like, fight and stuff. And they just can't wait to fight everybody. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, fuck, man. Like, that made me want to see these matches. Like, just them being very excited about going after and testing their skills against these uh these tag teams that are out there yeah that's all yeah that's almost a completely lost thing in wrestling now. yeah i mean nobody does that i mean maybe i've heard fdr talk like that how remember when they were going to go on their indie tour yeah um you know they're like we're taking some time off we're going to go on our indie tour to uh to um test our or to you know to wrestle some of these great tag teams that aren't in aew but that's about it honestly yeah, I just kind of a lost thing. I just they would do it some more. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like nowadays they kind of just focus on whoever's like the number one contender. They only kind of just focus on them only. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I like it when they build up challengers, like more challengers. We we kind of saw that with MJF. You know, where he had like a thousand challengers and stuff, but it was just a little different. Mm-hmm. So we kind of ran out the show. We had this Manny Fernandez promo. Uh, just, I didn't really pay attention to it too much. <laughs> And then we had the uh, Abdullah the Butcher squash match, which I thought it was okay. They ran out the show, so. But yeah, not not so. Like, what I've noticed, this is just me personally. I mostly prefer like their, um, you know, their studio show, a lot more than like the Mid Atlantic one. So. You prefer the studio show? Yeah, I like it a little bit better. Like I don't know, it just I feel like it's like a little smoother. So. Oh well, yeah, it's and it's way more high high uh, uh, production values are way higher. Yeah, for sure. So um, and they have more than one light. For yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, it's still not bad. It's still like 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 you were saying before. Like this is like the building blocks to what we know Jim Crocker Promotions being with all these mega stars and all these people coming here. And, you know, they just start they and they start stacking up their roster from you know, from 1985 onward, and they would just take over until until that E, man, or to the F, just uh, got too big. So, or, One, or even right. they got yeah, big, exactly. too big for their I bridges. mean, it was going to get huge. I mean, they were starting to, they were going to start branching out. But, yeah, this was the beginning of that great era of Crockett wrestling you know, yes. that I love so much. Um, One thing I did want to mention, too, is, like, so dur- <laughs> during the – um uh during the rock and roll express promo, they, they're also out there with Manny Fernandez. And I don't know if you noticed this, that, and I wonder if they were doing this on purpose, but they qu- kept quoting Huey Lewis in the news, the band. You're familiar with the band Huey Lewis in the news from the eighties. Yeah. I've heard of really them. Yeah. Band. So they had this song called the heart of rock and roll. Um, 
but like the, like I can't remember exactly. I should have written them down, but like some of the things that they kept saying sounded like quotes from Huey Lewis songs. Um, like when they talk about the heart of rock and roll, and then they talked about there's God, there's something else. There's another Huey Lewis song that they quoted. Um, that was that I thought was hilarious, but there's like it would have been weird if they had not done that on purpose. But yeah, I wonder if that was like a gag they were trying to pull during the promo. Well, you know, like we've seen wrestlers like quote like, you know, sure. s- metal songs. Jericho was known to do that a lot, you know, in his early days as oh, well yeah. too. He still does it. So yeah, he still he still rips off metal bands. But yeah, anyway. but but speaking of metal bands though, have <laughs> yeah. you ever what heard of this? Have you ever heard of this band called Artillery? Yes. They they, they so around August of nineteen eighty five, they actually released their first debut album, Fear of Tomorrow. Yeah, I <clears throat> so it's funny that you had mentioned that because did we not talk about Artillery like a few months ago? I think we did, yes. Um, because I couldn't remember that because I was I I was either thinking about bringing up Artillery and then decided on something else. Or um, or we did, but yeah. So the first artillery album came out in uh, August of uh, of 1985. Yeah, and it's pretty artillery good. Artillery's a fucking great band. Yeah, they're like a they're like they're they're a Danish thrash band. Yeah, yeah. All right. And when I was listening to some of their tracks, they kind of remind me of like like a like a a thrash version of Black Sabbath. In a yes. way. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Because they, they, they start off, first of all, a lot of their songs are long. And that's kind of like semi-new for thrash band. Because most thrash bands, you know, they, they kind of get their shit in and get out of there. But these guys' tracks, I mean, their shortest track on this album was 3 minutes and 27 seconds. You know? Yes. And their longest one's about 6 minutes and 41 seconds. Um so I thought that was pretty interesting about them too. And what I, what I was mean by the Black Sabbath part, you know, they start off, a lot of their songs kind of start off like very like slow and like melodic. And then they go straight into like, you know, the, the, the heavier thrash parts. Yeah. So our, I, yeah, I love, I'm a huge fan of artillery. I, like it, that's, and they're, they came about to like, I would say I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know this for a fact, but I would say artillery is a band that was influenced by merciful fate. Um, you know, and because thrash metal kind of came out of Merciful Fate, Metallica was hugely influenced by Merciful Fate, and they they had gone to Denmark to record their first, not their first album, but albums two and three, and maybe four. Um, but um, but yeah, they were they were friends with Merciful Fate, and I would say the Artillery was a band that kind of probably was influenced by Merciful Fate a lot because they were like one of the biggest Danish bands, yeah, maybe ever. But yeah, they're really good. Like we'll play a little bit um towards the end of the show. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, but like it's, it, I like them. That they, they're very, like I said, they're very like kind of a me- melodic kind of style thrash band, and mm-hmm. I like it where you know their songs kind of like build up to like the fast parts, and yeah. you know a lot yeah. of thrash bands around you know that we would see later on even during this time, you know mostly would just get right into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, like the Testament type yeah. sound or the Slayer sound. Yeah, where they that's like the American style where it's just like straight into like. You know, straight like how Angel of Death starts, which is like straight into like a yeah, man, yeah. yeah, but good shit, man. Like, we'll hopefully we'll you know, they only had one other album, which I think we talked about it um, before, which was the Terror Squad. Um, but yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. I like, 
Yeah, but check out, check them out. Check them out, everybody. But let's get into some who booked this shit for Fright Night because we do have a lot yeah. to talk about when it comes to this yeah, Fright Night. Yeah, who booked Nights. this shit? So this is exciting. I, I can't wait to talk about this. So it's made by our boy Tom Holland. All right. Mm. Thomas Lee Holland, brother. I'm a okay. huge Tom Holland fan. Yeah, because he did a bunch of stuff. Um, he did yes. the sequel to the Alfred Hitchcock cycle, which I which we talked about that before here on yeah. the Retro Blood, which was a great film. Yeah, yeah, we did that shit. We did it right as a as a, in our sequels month or something. Yes, I believe. Apparently, he. But yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, he he had written a bunch of really good movies that we're probably gonna do on this show eventually. Yes, like he did The Beast Within in class of nineteen eighty four. Yes, uh, which are both. Yes classic classic movies um but yeah this is his directorial debut first movie ever directed yeah because like like you were saying Austin, he was mostly a writer mm-hmm. like he 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 didn't direct psycho 2 but he he wrote it so he wrote that yeah. that screen um but yeah like you were saying this is his directorial de- debut and he would also go on to direct the first child's play which we're going to be later doing on uh, on the Retro Blood 2. And one of my favorite movies that scared me as a kid in the 90s, Thinner. Yes, he did. Re- I, I did not remember yeah. that until I looked him up, but he had re- he wrote and directed Thinner. Um, he also made this movie called The Temp, which um, I watched because... Uh, he made that in the 90s. I watched that because I was a huge Twin Peaks fan and Laura Flynn Boyle was in it. Um, but yeah, he made this movie called The Temp. Um, this guy's underrated. Like he's definitely an underrated writer. He's written some really, really, really good movies. Yes. Um, but yeah, don't know. So there should, he should be doing more stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. He did. And he did, he did write the story for the, uh, the remake as well. Um, but he, he didn't have anything to do with the sequel, which was kind of weird. With the, the 1988 sequel. So, um, so, so while writing the script for Cloak and Dagger, Tom Holland amused himself when he conceived the idea of a horror movie fan becoming convinced that his next door neighbor was a vampire. All right, but he did not. But he did not initially think the premise was enough to sustain a story. What's he going to do? Holland asked, because everybody's going to think he's mad. So that's kind of like how he, the the story kind of like he just thought of the the actual idea. Mm-hmm. Um. So. When he was like, you know, when he was developing the story, he had that concept in mind. But it's like, well, you know, what if we found uh, a guy like, you know, like a old school Vincent Price style character, all right? Mm-hmm. And then he he would just add that in because he wanted to do elements of the old school, you know, Vincent Price horror host and stuff like that in that local area. That's how he came up with the whole Peter Vincent idea. It was obviously it was a, a homage. To, to Vincent Price. And actually, apparently Vincent Price, he was actually a, a fan of of, uh, of this movie and the betrayal of, uh, of Peter Vincent. He was a big fan of all that. So, which is pretty cool. Um, so Holland wrote the film for, for himself to direct. In part, he was so disheartened by the film that was ultimately made from his previous screenplay, Scream for Help. And he had mm-hmm. developed enough clout from the success of his screenplay for, for Class of 1984 and Psycho 2 and Cloak of Dagger, that he that the head of Columbia Pictures said, let's take a chance on the hot screenwriter kid, brother. So basically, they're you know they they're like, hey, you can, you know, you're hot right now. 
you can you yeah. can do this story. You can write this story and direct it. So you know, at the time, like I said, Hick, a lot of his stories they, they would get different directors for. But yeah. they they're just like, well, fuck, you know, we'll just you're, you're you're hot. You're the hot take right now, brother. So just go on there, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Which is weird because Tom Holland was 42 when this movie was made. I guess they consider him the hot kid. They're the hot time. kid at this time, brother. <laughs> All right, come on now. Okay. Um, See, I think I think that he. I mean, obviously, he was his initial thought was wrong because it was enough to sustain a movie. Yeah. But I think that idea was would be was great. I mean, the idea of like, okay, what if my what if my neighbor is a vampire? Nobody's gonna believe me. Um, and I actually think that the. Uh, the horror host part is the weakest part of the movie, but we'll talk about that as we get into it. Yeah, and so there was a couple of things that I thought that was interesting. There's a lot about this movie, you know. Probably could do like mm-hmm. a two-parter on this thing. But I thought one of the interesting concepts was the... Um, was the, the uh, Two things. So first, I want to talk about is some of the cast because this one actually has a pretty loaded cast in it, mm-hmm. and the 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 character who played um, our main vampire Jerry, all right, uh, mm-hmm. what was his name? Chris. <clears throat> Chris Randon. Yeah. Chris Randon. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. He he at first didn't even want to do this movie. All right. Because he's like, I'm not really into vampires. I don't want to do this horror stuff. I'm just not into it. So he turned it down and stuff. And then mm-hmm. apparently he sat down. He actually read the script. And then he kind of turned it turned turned around. It was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this is actually, like, not some campy, you know, campy horror film, whatever, blah, blah, blah. This is actually, you know, it has, it has some deep stuff to it. You know what I mean? So he liked it that way. That's mm-hmm. why he kind of jumped on. And it was actually his idea. All right, to be the uh, the fruit eater. That was his idea, eating the fruit or being a fruit bat. Right. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, there's something on the effects that I thought was pretty interesting as well too. Where do you remember the uh, the little skeleton uh, vampire skeleton creature bat thing that blew up at the end due to sunlight? Yes. Mm-hmm. That thing was supposed to be the original um, uh, effect for the Ghostbusters. It was supposed to be the original ghost in Ghostbusters. That was supposed to be the original prop for it. But the studio at Ghostbusters didn't want to do that because they felt like it was too scary. Which I thought was super oh, okay. interesting. Because the guy who worked on the Ghostbusters also worked on this film, Richard Edlund. All right. He was the head of visual effects for this film, and he was on Ghostbusters as well, too. So what happened was they didn't want to use his prop for Ghostbusters, and he got this movie, and they I guess they needed a, a, a bat creature because, you know, the Jerry, you know, when he gets sunlight at the end, and he was like, well, fuck, mm-hmm. I'll just use the fucking thing I was going to use for Ghostbusters in this film, and it'll fit perfectly. So I thought that was yep. really neat um, around this time. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that might've been, they might've been right. I mean, it might've been too scary for a comedy movie at the time. Yeah. Cause um, Ghostbusters perfectly um, here. Yeah. The Ghostbusters are a little bit more like fan PG, you know, very fan friend, uh, family friendly around this time. So obviously the man who played Peter Vincent, um, Ronnie McDowell. Yes. He was in like a ton of stuff, like in the early, you know, 19, 1930s and stuff or 1940s. 
Yeah, he was in Planet of the Apes. Yes. I think that was like one of the he biggest played, thing uh, I remember him from was the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Yeah, the chimpanzee. And, you know, he's in the, the black hole. All right. He did that movie before he did um, Fright Night. And he didn't do too much stuff in the 80s. Like, in the 80s, you know, I guess his career was kind of winding down a little bit from the early uh, 50s, early 40s, I mean, later 40s to early 70s. Because in the 80s, he only did Fright Night. He did Fright Night 2, and he did this movie called Overboard, and he did A Bug's Life. All right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he was definitely at the, you know, in the waning years of his career, but... um but I mean, like, I I feel like he pulled this off really well. Like he was really good yeah. at this role. Yeah, I thought he was great. Um, so the the one that uh uh, I wouldn't say caught me by surprise, but did a little bit was our girl Amy Peterson mm-hmm. that was in this movie, played by Amanda Beers, which I always known her as being Darcy on Married with Children. <laughs> exactly. I will never see her in anything else besides Darcy from Married with Children. And it's just super yeah, was- weird seeing her like young and flirtatious on this movie. I was like, man, my brain, well, like, I, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that, um, yeah, I mean, this is 1985. Married with Children wasn't too long after this. It was only a couple of years later. Yeah, I think she would start that. Um, I think. At, uh, 87? Yeah, like 87. Yeah, it was like two years after yeah. this movie or something. She would start that. And which is weird because, like, I mean, it's only like two years. And to me, she was paying like, like, a, I mean, well, how old do you think this Charlie guy was? Like college? You know what I mean? Right out of college? Maybe? Uh, I thought he was supposed to be in high school. Yeah. Like, I thought all these characters were supposed to be in high school. Yeah. Like that, me too. Because ha- he has a trigonometry <laughs> test. Yeah. Like, it's just weird, like, to see, like, two year, two or three late years later and then Marcy's playing like this older stuck up lady from next door, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> she was almost 30 when she, when they made this, yeah. like, she was like, you know, she was born in 1958. She, she was almost 30, but yeah. So, I mean, no, they're definitely, so speaking of things that you couldn't do today, like if you made this movie today, the way it's made not here, like people would lose their fucking minds. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, they're definitely supposed to be in high school, which means that, um, you know, Ju- you know, um, Jerry's like, you know, messing around with high school girls. Like he's, they're definitely supposed to be in high school. They're like, you know, sixteen or seventeen years old, probably. Yeah, which is like super interesting. Or eighteen, maybe, maybe eighteen. They could be seniors in high school. Yeah. Uh, another one I thought was interesting was the uh, the we had a quick uh, appearance. You know, a hot blonde that that was yeah. the first victim of Jerry. That was actually a Playboy playmate at this time, mm-hmm. uh, Heidi Sorison. So yeah. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool little clever casting right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like this, uh, this, this film, like you know, I thought it did pretty well when it comes to some of the the vampire lore um, that was on this film as well too, and just like I kind of like a. a, a a different taken away and uh one one thing before we get into it um i do want to say something that was kind of funny too um yeah. so apparently due to a mix-up uh stephanie joffreys had an awkward audition for anthony michaels hall's role in weird science all right and he mm-hmm. made an an impression on jack birch 
who was suggested to him for Fright Night. Although he was not a horror fan, movie fan, Joffrey's loved the script, so he called his agent and declared that he would love to audition for Charlie Brewster's No Steve. His agent replied, you're wanted for the part of Evil Ed. So Joffrey was simultaneously baffled and heartbroken. He said, what did they see in me that they should they should be this? Well, anyway, it worked out. So that's that's what he said. So basically what happened to this guy, Stefan, who played um, you know, Evil Ed, he I guess his agent sent him to go um audition for, for the role of like, you know, the one of the main guys in Weird Science, Anthony. And he wasn't like I think the agent was supposed to send somebody else, <laughs> you know what I mean, to the weird science thing, not him. Okay. So he, he so he didn't get that role in Weird Science, but he left a uh an impression on this the 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 casting guy Jack for Weird Science that he they suggested it to Charlie, and then St- Stefan tried to um, audition for the uh, the Charlie Brewster character and he didn't get it, but he's like, hey, but we got a part for you anyway. You're Evil Ed, some annoying '80s kid. All right, so I thought that was yeah, real I mean, interesting. I don't know. I don't know if that guy was going to get weird science anyway, because that no. casting was perfect. Yeah. Um, no. But, uh, but yeah, this is a better movie. So, I mean, you know, he wasn't going to beat out Anthony Michael Hall. I don't think for that role. Oh yeah. Weird no, science, no. but, um, but, uh, but yeah, this is uh, I only know him from one other movie. He was also in cl- at, at close range. which is one of my favorite films uh, with Sean Penn and Christopher Walken. Um, it was a James Foley movie before he decided to start directing Twilight movies. Not Twilight movies. What's the other one about the uh, the uh, the bondage movies that everybody was into a few years ago? Um, the Shades of Grey movies. Oh, he said the Grey. Anyway, yeah. He, yeah, he directed a couple of those. So, uh, but that guy used to make good movies, and at Close Range was one of them. And uh, this guy was also in at Close Range, but that's a side sidebar well, you know, there, a little tangent. He was also in Nine Seven Six Evil. Come on, brother. Um, yeah, true, true. <laughs> Which I can't wait to do that one. That one's going to be an interesting one. <laughs> so, But let's get on to it, everybody. Let's talk about this whole Fright Night and our opinions of the the Fright Night itself. Let's get on into it. Let's do it. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? <laughs> Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself, but it will do anything to protect its secret. This could be the night of your life. All right. So we start off. We hear some TV and some stuff in the background about 
this like vampire girl, she wants to come in for a kiss and it gets mm-hmm. bitten. And then we re- we realize we're watching a TV show, and what we're watching is Peter Vincent's Fright Night Theater. All right. So the whole um, background to some of this movie is our our boy uh, Charlie. He is a big fan of the uh, the late night horror host Peter Vincent. All right. Mm-hmm. And Peter Vincent, his character is more like, you know, it's kind of like an Elvira, you know what I mean? Where he's like the, well, kind of like an Elvira. He, he is the guy who not only introduces you to the movies, but he also stars in them too. So it's like a double, double dude. Yeah. So the way I took this was like, he was like a guy who used to be an actor in horror movies, but now he's just a host. So he doesn't make movies anymore. He just hosts other horror movies and some of those horror movies he starred in as well yeah so i think he does like a little bit of both but we do see a lot of the films that he's in and he's like an expert vampire hunter guy all right but at the time our boy charlie he doesn't care he's trying to get himself some ass all right from our girl amy and they were supposed to be studying together but you know like uh charlie he's going for second base and he gets cut on off and he starts getting pissed at her it's like it's like i've been going for you for two years and all i hear is stop it I was like, "Oh boy, okay. We can't we, we ain't we're gonna be here not any. We gotta be we ain't gonna be here not in any any twenty twenty four movies no more." Um, mm-hmm. And then they start apologizing to each other. And then now our girl Amy's like, "This is gonna be the time." She just starts taking off her shirt. But our boy Charlie sees uh, uh, two people outside carrying a casket into a house, and he's like fascinated by it. It was a really cool coffin too. Like that thing yeah. looked awesome. It did look awesome, and like I couldn't even yeah. tell what it was at first. It was like a different shape or style of a coffin, not like what you would normally yeah, like, see. Yeah, it was. It was cool. It was like rounded on the top. It just looked awesome. It looked great. So the first thing I noticed, you know, besides our boy Charlie trying to get some ass, is he is a uh, a nosy neighbor. Him and his mom are both nosy neighbors. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing's gonna get past them. So Amy, she's ready for her, uh, her, her, her journey into her young uh, sexual escapades, but Charlie, mm-hmm. he's too fascinated with some coffins, and so she gets pissed off and she leaves. And he's like, "Hey, you know, it's like I saw two guys carrying a coffin," and she, she just thinks he's making it up because he's been watching, you know, that Peter Vincent show too much. And they start fighting with each other. That's when the mom intervenes. She, she's, she's the mom is like such a nothing character in this film. She just kind of has some random lines about like, oh, you, you, you kids are, you know, you, you, you're fighting like married couples. I read it in a magazine and shit. <laughs> They're like, okay, we're only kids. <laughs> so yeah, they're like uh, high school kids, and she's talking about how, uh, yeah. yeah, like like they're acting like they're married or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then like Amy leaves. And she's all pissed off because Charlie just like kind of blows her off because he's like super fascinated what's happening outside. And this is when we find out that this is when I we basically find out that they're both nosy neighbors. It's like, oh yeah, the guy Bob who used to live at that house next door, he sold the house to his new people and they're all moving in now. So that's what it is. It's like, oh, why are they moving in a coffin? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, those fucking nosy neighbors. All right. So it, I think it's really strange, though, because he seems to you're right. He is a nosy neighbor, but he seems to almost instantly jump to the conclusion that the guy's a vampire. Yeah, because he has a coffin. Yeah. But, yeah. Like he doesn't say that. But to me, like I took that as like, 
Like, he just instantly jumped to that conclusion. Well, that makes sense, because, like, he watches that <laughs> Peter guess. Vincent show all the time, so if he sees <laughs> one thing, you know what I mean, that could possibly be something... Well, I wonder what he would think of me. He'd probably think I'm some sort of fucking monster hunter or something. All the shit I got in my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. I can just think of that, like, him walking into your house, like, oh, my God, this guy must be a monster hunter. Oh, my God, this fucking dude. Fantastic. So now they're at, so this is when we meet <clears throat> evil Ed or yes. So it's Ed. And then our boy Charlie calls him evil Ed. And he's just yeah, making, do tr- we ever establish why he's called evil Ed? Just cause he's an asshole, I guess. That's not, that's oh, what I well, got. Okay. I guess so. I guess so. So they're out of school and everything. And Amy's still upset with him. And this is also too, when we see uh, Charlie, he has some sort of like Mustang that doesn't have a finished paint job. And it annoyed me the whole movie. <laughs> did you see this so thing like a you. fucking cow or some shit like uh well i mean you know you can see the bondo in it where he's where he's fixing like the you know the dents that it probably had but okay so that annoys you but that like ding on your mustang doesn't annoy you well that annoys me too but at least, <laughs> at least that's only one little corner this whole thing was all that's shredded true. and painted that's and true. shit just paint the shit all motherfucker right. paint it <laughs> all right it's not cool to have your car stripped like that all this no, color guy is going to be, be like, oh, yeah, you got to do that for the fucking back. I don't care. Paint that shit. All right. So now Charlie comes on. This is when he sees the uh, the prostitute, which is not known in the movie, the hot blonde, the playboy playmate. Mm-hmm. He looks at her because she's asking for where is this address at. He's like, oh, it's next door. He's like, damn. And then he's all like, he goes up to the mom and they're, they're still talking about the neighbor moving in because they're still nosy. All right. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the next door neighbor. And then. Our, the mom might think he's gay because he has really nice taste in, in fucking uh, 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 decorations or something. And our boy Charles like, I don't think so. So he was coming next door. And then this is when Charlie's upstairs. He's like studying and he hears a big scream next door. All right. And apparently, oh, another thing too. I don't know if the mom is like a deep sleeper, but she slept through like, all these screaming and, and crunching and destroying, like, like constantly. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. she put in some like earbuds or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she has like earplugs and she can't hear, yeah. but yeah, like she, all the screaming, she's, she seems to uh, sleep through. Uh, I mean, she basically sleeps through like they're the big vampire fight. Yeah. Um, mostly. Pretty much. So then we see at the Amy and, and, and Charlie, they're making up at dinner time right now. It's comes some sort of diner and they're apologizing. And then, then Charlie sees on the screen that the blonde that he ran to died. And that wasn't the first mm-hmm. victim too. She was like the second victim. So there's been two dead women around here. And he noticed, like I said, he noticed that girl. So now he's starting to put some two to two stuff together. Like, well, I saw a coffin go into his house and this girl who went to his house both died. So, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start spying on these motherfuckers. That's what I'm going to start doing. Okay? Um, And, of course, Amy, she's still pissed. And she's so pissed that she put some food on his face because he's not paying attention to her. All right? So this is when we have uh, our boy Charlie doing some peeping tomming. All right? Yes. When he's seeing the uh, our boy Jerry uh, uh, seducing a young lad, showing her tatas off, 
and he is going to um uh, he's basically about to kiss her and like it was weird though because it looked like first the girl stares right at charlie and then jerry stares right at charlie and they both stare at him and then he like lowers the curtain down then he bites her neck and then, of course jerry, yeah I- uh, charlie's freaked out yeah, like I thought that scene was really cool. So now he knows Jerry's a vampire for sure. Um, but yeah. yeah, I thought that was really cool. That scene was real, when uh, when Jerry was standing behind the the girl, and then well, also um, there there's also murders going on. I think we forgot to mention that. No, no, I did mention um, that. I said there was two oh, murders that just happened. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was a prostitute. <laughs> All right, it was on the television there, Allison. All right, yes. the prostitute yes. died, and somebody before her died as well too. All right. right. Um, but but yeah, I thought that scene was really cool where he's standing behind her and then like um she like looks directly at him through the window and then when Jerry looks at him, that that scene just was shot really well. It just looked yeah. great. So Charlie's freaking out. He tries to tell his mom about it, she blows him off, and then he goes outside, and this is when we see um another person who's helping out the vampire dispose of the body, and we find out that his name is gonna be Billy Cole. All right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was like a servant, but they didn't really say what he was. Like, I know, so he can walk during the daytime, this Billy guy can. And we find out later he's some sort of mutant creature, but I just thought he was like the familiar. You know, has, you know, so, so some vampires have like a familiar. So, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, like the Renfield character. Yes. And we can see that this vampire likes to eat fruit because he's a fruit bat. And they, the mom comes out, asks for Charlie, and then now Billy and Jerry both know that this kid, Charlie, has been like kind of spying on them. All right. And this is when Charlie, the next morning, is telling his mom and Amy, okay, that the, the guy next door is a vampire. All right. And I didn't, I didn't go to the police about him because he killed like another person. Like, this is like the third victim that he's killed. All right. Yeah. And they're telling him, like, you can't just go to the police and tell him he's, like, a vampire and stuff. And, of course, Amy just thinks, like, he's telling all this stuff to get her back. Because it's all about her, brother. Okay? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I see her point of view because cause now she finally wants to, like, fuck Charlie. And now Charlie's all of a sudden interested or all, all of a sudden thinks that his neighbor is a vampire, which to her is so ridiculous that it must be an excuse just to blow her off. Yes, pretty much. And then, and then our boy Charlie's like, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab the police, but I'm not going to mention that vampire part. That's his plan. Okay. So now he grabs the the police chief, the tenant, or uh, no, actually he was the, uh, the homicide detective. So they go up to the, uh, to the, the vampire's door. All right. And this is when we have uh, Billy come in and. There was a scene earlier that I just... This is a really quick scene that um, that Charlie met Billy really quickly because uh, Charlie tried to mm-hmm. sneak into the house, but Billy caught him. All right? Because he was trying to go to the basement because obviously that's where the vampire would be sleeping would be the basement. And I'll bring, bring you up the basement later on because there was something I need to ask you, Allison, about this particular basement. Okay? Okay. But let's get into... So the, 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 the um, detectives there... And they're asking, like, you know, you know, they're just moving in, you know, like, you know, do you live here with somebody else? Where is he's at? You know what I mean? And they're going on and on. And then our boy Charlie just can't help himself. He's like, well, let's go look down in the basement. They're like, why? It's like, 
why should we go look down in the basement is because is because he might be doing his internal sleeping. And they're like, what? He's like, he's like, he's a vampire. He's a fucking vampire. And he's been killing all these women. And then of course there's a tent. It's like, oh fuck, this kid tricked me. All right. <laughs> so now they, he takes him out of there. And he was like, kid, don't talk to me again. If you come with this bullshit again, I'll rest your ass. I mean, he leaves. Yeah, like, what did he think was going to happen? Well, you know I don't what I mean? Like, I guess, like, because, like, you know, he was he was saying, like, I saw a body yesterday. And then Billy's like, well, it was just fucking trash. There isn't no fucking body. So I guess Charlie was yeah. just going to, like, I don't know what his plan was, to be honest with you. Like, his plan he was He makes just a to, lot of really strange decisions in this, yeah. in this movie. I think he was, like, trying to get Billy to admit to the cop that he was a vampire and they're mutant vampires, but like, you know, but I just, it just didn't work. You know what I mean? This is like, they don't, there's no evidence around there. And it just, he probably needed to do a little bit more research before he jumped right in there with the cop. That's probably what he needed exactly. to do. So now, now Charlie's like, oh fuck. Like this Billy guy knows I'm onto him. Billy's going to go tell the vampire guy that I'm onto him and I'm going to be fucked. Okay, and then he looks at his watch, and it's like four twenty-three, and he's like getting super worried. Mm-hmm. So now, like he he goes to he goes to his uh, friend Ed, Ed's house, and he tells him all about what yeah. happens. Like, hey, this vampire is gonna kill me and everything. And Ed's like doesn't believe any of this shit. He just thinks it's all imaginary. But Charles like, okay, well I'll pay you, and then can you help me? And I was thinking like, okay, well, hold on a second. So we're right. led to we're led to believe that our boy Charlie watches Peter Vincent like constantly. He's a huge fan, right? Yeah. Do I got that right? Yes. So why would he go to Evil Ed to get ideas about how to kill a vampire? Is Ed like a more well, more of a fan or something? The only thing I can think of is that he Ed is just his friend for some reason, even though he's an asshole, and he. Uh, and he uh, he's just trying to get him to brainstorm ideas because all of his other ideas are terrible. Um, well, you know, like this guy's fucking all the guys a vampire. Yeah, but then his idea is like, well, get a cross, get a get some garlic, and get some holy water. I was like, well, well fuck, I mean, that's that like, like a- are you telling me Peter Vincent didn't say any of that shit on the show? Uh-huh. Right. Well, right. I see what oh. you're saying. Like, why did he not already know that? But I mean, maybe that's the best answer that Evil Ed had at the time. I mean, that's probably what I would say if you came to me and said, hey, I got a vampire next door. What am I going to do? And I'm like, well, yeah, but evil Ed, he was saying it out of a, a, a comedic, sarcastic purpose. True. Right. Because nobody believes that there's a vampire next door. Because yeah. that's ridiculous. And then he did say, though, wait, you might be in luck, though, because the, the vampires need to be invited into your house. So the only person that could invite in is the owner. So you might be lucky of the vampire. Because Charlie thinks the vampire is just going to come for him at nighttime and kill him. Which is probably right. Mm-hmm. So now Charlie goes home. All right. And then next thing you know, the mom already let fucking the vampire in. And this is when he's like, oh shit. <laughs> so the vampire's already so been was, let in. Yeah. yeah. So that was interesting because they don't, they kind of imply that he doesn't need permission to enter the house, which is, you know, like a vampire lore thing. No, no. But then, but, well, hold on, hold on. You got the, no, but, they, they implied that he did need to be let in. That's what evil Ed, evil the Ed, mom let him in. Yeah, evil Ed said the only the right owner can let you into the house. So Charlie thought he was going to be a safe, but then the mom just invites him all over. So he doesn't. Oh, right. Yeah, that's in. true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, like there, the, like this vampire, 
Jerry, he did have some stuff that's not normally like a vampire, but there was a lot of stuff that was like normal vampire lore. Like, he has to be let into places, he has to be invited in, crosses that, that have faith in him will hurt him, and holy water will, will hurt him and shit, and sunlight. So he did have like the the normal vampire, you know, lore like effects to him in this film. So, but this is also too when we get, uh, <laughs> so Charlie, this is like when they meet for their first time and Jerry's already on to him, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. uh, and of course our boy Jerry, he's kind of like a very heartthrob style vampire. So all the women love him. Even the mom is going crazy over him as well too. And I like when he leaves and he comes back like the, the Jerry does. And like he, Charlie finds him in his room and he's all like, you know, we, we don't want to wake up your mom over here. And he just throws his ass into the closet, making all types of sound. Yep. <laughs> so that uh, was really cool. That was that stunt was pretty amazing. I'm not even sure how they did it. I watched it several times, but is that a real person? Uh, I mean, I'm guessing, yeah. This is the like a real stunt man, and like, and like somehow they were able to throw that guy through, through, through that door. Like, I don't know. Like, it was almost all on camera too. I mean, it was real quick, but like you know, like you could see like, um, you know, the actor grab him, and then he like got f- flips over into the door, like, and like it looked like it couldn't even possibly have been like a mannequin or like a dummy or something. Like, I don't know. That was a pretty amazing stunt. I love that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this guy was stunt man for it, but it looked it did look really good. I just like it how he's saying, let's not wake up your mom. Then he throws his ass into a fucking closet. <laughs> <laughs> like she can't hear that la- through. She sleeps through, yeah. So now like the Jerry is basically saying like, you know, you, you, you have disturbed my sleep. You have this, you have been spying on me. You got the police involved. All right. And you deny you deserve to die. All right. And like, he's saying like, but, but, I'll give you a choice that I never had. If you just forget about me, I'll forget about you. All right. Mm-hmm. And and basically, when he's saying that, he grabs his cross that was given to him by Evil Ed, and he starts using it. And then the vampire gets all pissed off, so he's going to take him through the window. And then um, we eventually see Charlie stab him with the pencil. All right. And then now Jerry is turning into his full vampire mode and the mom finally wakes up and this is when Jerry leaves to get on out of there. And the mom was shutting her door and then she comes out and then um, Charlie's just saying, oh, I, don't worry, I just had a nightmare. All right. So we're seeing that he doesn't want to tell his mom anything because obviously the mom's not, um, she doesn't really believe him that much anyway and he kind of wants right. to take care of this by himself and not involve his mom with it. Um, so now he goes back up. He hears the phone ring, right? And he goes back up to his room. And it's Jerry. Alright. And he, he basically saying like, you know, I can see you right now. And I'm, I'm going to finish this. And I, hey, by the way, that noise you heard outside, I destroyed your car. <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> The car is already destroyed. <laughs> All right. And then he's like, <laughs> I was like, that would have been a great reply. <laughs> I was like, but, and then I think it was a piece of shit. I anyway. think it was chucked anyway. All right. My Mustang, brother. 
And then he's like, but what I'm going to do to you tomorrow is going to be way worse. I'm going to destroy you tomorrow night. And of course, Charles like, oh, fuck. So now, so now, like, Charlie's kind of figuring out what he needs to do, right? So he his idea is, I'm going to go talk to Peter Vincent. And I'm going to get yes. his ideas of how to kill a real vampire. Because, you know, every time I watch these this this show, Fright Night, Peter Vincent's saying he's a real vampire hunter. He really believes in vampires. And he's a real vampire hunter because he killed like a hundred of them. <laughs> So what do you do? Yeah. You just go to the studio that he's at. Like you don't need a pass. You don't need nope. you don't need credentials. Mm-hmm. You don't need you don't need any of the stuff to go visit. No, you just go onto the lot and you catch him right when he gets out of there. <laughs> yeah, which also mm-hmm. happens to be in the same, you know, the same town that you live yes. in as well. Yes, it just um, yes. It but, all worked out. So that's it all good. it all worked out perfectly. But yeah, Charlie seems kind of like an idiot. Like um like I mean his idea is that this guy that's an actor would know how to kill a vampire. Yeah, because he plays one on television. Yeah, I mean, come um, on, it's real, brother. It's a shoot. It's like, um, yeah, like when mm-hmm. I uh, next time I need to, uh, you know, have medical help, I'll wait outside the, you know, the set of Grey's Anatomy and let one of those guys come out and take care of me. Yeah, of course. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, a, it's a shoot, brother. I know it's real. All right, it's a shoot. So Peter meets with the uh, or Charlie meets with Peter. And Peter just thinks, like, okay, do you just want my autograph? He's like, no, 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 man. I really have a vampire next door at my house. And Peter just thinks he's nuts, and he just drives away. He's like, this fucking nut kid. Okay? Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, he's trying to be very serious about it. Um, and then this is when Peter also says, like, hey, you know, like, my show got canceled. You know, people don't want to see vampires anymore. They just want to see a madman hacking up teenagers. Yeah, I was like, oh boy, you know, I bet that did happen because you know this is the this is the part of the '80s where slashers was pretty high around this particular time period. So yeah, so which is I mean, that's I def- like that that's line. definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Like you know the uh, the slasher movies were definitely pushing or had by this point well pushed out the uh, you know the classic horror tropes. Yes, so. Yeah, it's definitely changing time. So now Evil Ed and Amy show up at Charlie's house. They walk up in that thing. There's a bunch of candles everywhere. They look at they look at Charlie. And Charlie's basically saying, listen, guys, there's a vampire next door. He wants to kill my ass. But I'm gonna get to him first. Cause he's like he's like sharpening up like a like a, a steak. He's like, I'm gonna put this steak mm-hmm. when he's sleeping through his heart. And they're all thinking, like, this guy's fucking crazy, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> oh, shit. He's like, they're like, I tried to, they're like, I don't know if, like, this Peter Vincent was some sort of, like, town dude, but the, Amy's like, well, why don't you just go talk to Peter? <laughs> I was like, 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 like you, you could just talk to this actor whenever you want. And he's like, I tried right, to do right. that. I tried to do that, but he blew me off. So I'm just going to have to do this. And, like, and then, basically, Amy and Ed were like, listen, don't do anything. We will figure this out together. You can't just walk into the vampire's place alone with no plan. You're going to die. So promise me you won't do anything. All right? And he's like, he basically looks at Amy. He's like, you don't believe me, do you? He's like, I do believe. And she doesn't say anything. She says, I love you. And then she leaves. I thought they were going to go get the cops. 
and be like, yo, this guy is crazy. Like, you got to put him up before he kills his next door neighbor. But no, like Amy and Eva literally go to Peter Vincent's house. <laughs> <laughs> like, didn't you get that? Like, I thought like they were like, obviously they didn't believe him. They thought he was going crazy now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And well, let's, I, let's go talk to he's Peter about Vincent to go too, murder though. somebody. Okay. <laughs> who he thinks yes. is a vampire. What are we gonna do? Let's go to the actor's house. Let's not go to the fucking police. Okay. Like, what if he was imagining it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's go to the, the actor's only, house. The only thing I could think of is what they were trying to do was they were saying, okay, well, he'll believe Peter Vincent if this guy tells him he's not a vampire. Yeah. So let's go get Peter Vincent, which is kind of what they do. Yeah, that's what but they like, do. But like, you know, yeah, but like, let's go get Peter Vincent because he'll believe him. But yeah. But you're right. He's about to go murder his neighbor because he thinks he's a vampire. Yeah. So let's go talk to the actor. Let's go get the actor, brother. <laughs> and they know where he lives. That's yeah. the thing. Is like they know where Peter Vincent lives. Yeah. Like, why are they? Didn't he ask that? It's like, how did you time. find me? <laughs> like. <laughs> so like. I mean, it's a it's a different time. Like you yeah. couldn't do that now, but yeah. you could also think of Peter Vincent's like a local horror host. Like he's only on TV in that local area. Yeah. So it, it would almost be like finding like you know a local news person. Which if you hung around the news station, you would probably see them because they're not like celebrities. But like, um, but finding out where they live today would be impossible. But maybe not in 1985. Yeah. You know, you might be able to look them up in the phone book or something. I don't know. Yeah. So 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 Ed and Amy get to Peter Vincent's house, right? And he lets him in for some reason. And he is excited because and they're asking, like, hey, we got something really important to talk about. He's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, let me go get my autograph stuff. He's like, we don't want your autograph. He's like, what's more important than my autograph? <laughs> that is a pretty funny recurring <laughs> yes. joke is that nobody, he, he thinks everybody wants his autograph, but nobody, but they nobody, nobody does. And they're like, yeah. okay, you know that, I don't know if you met this dude yet, but we have this friend named Charlie. Yeah, I met that nutcase. <laughs> That's what the guy was saying. He's like, <laughs> could you just like go and tell him like, you know, vampires are not real or something like that. It's like, well, I tried. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm so busy. I, I got all these films and acting stuff. And she's like, well, I got $500. He's like, oh, I'll take it. What do you need me to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's so sad. But that's like, mm-hmm. uh, that's basically what cons are like now, right? Like, yeah. okay. Sure. Pretty much. I used to be in this movie, but now, uh, you know, for $30, I'll take a picture with you. Yes, exactly. So their idea is to call up this next door neighbor with Jerry and they're going to stage a whole meeting where mm-hmm. where they're going to like prove that Jerry's not a vampire. So they call the, the neighbor up, Jerry, and he introduced mm-hmm. himself as Peter and everything. He's like, hey, you know, can we can we just come to your house with this Charlie guy and we'll we'll just do some act and I'll, I'll give you some holy water and crosses and you're not a vampire. He's like, okay, well, the problem is I'm like a, a big religious guy now, so you can't bring any crosses. He's like, okay, fine. He's like, well, you can't bring any holy water. He's like, it's not fucking holy water, just tap water, okay? Just drink the shit. <laughs> yeah. So then they then they leave and then they no, then they agree. Okay, that, yeah, as long as you don't bring any crosses and they're just tap water. We can do all this stuff. We'll meet. Uh, we we got to do it tonight, though, at six o'clock because you know, I'm very busy during the day. And then they start also tell they they start talking about some of the props that uh, that uh, Peter had during his movie Orgy with the Vampire. Yes, sounds like a classic. Classic one. 
And they're also talking about um, this little reflection, you know, like some of the stuff he did, like during his. They're they're bringing up like how you can't see a vampire's reflection in a mirror, and he brought his little like screen, this little um, reflection booklet that he that he used for a prop in his movies. He's bringing that with him as well too. So now they all meet outside around six o'clock. Uh, Peter is a little late. We have Charlie, Amy, and Evil Ed there. And they all meet mm. with uh, Peter outside. Uh, Peter gets out of the car. Uh, Charlie's like, well, how come you're not bringing all your steaks and stuff with you? He's like, I don't need that. we got to prove that he's a vampire first, okay? He looks at the house. He's right. like, oh, yes, there could be a vampire here. So they go up to the door. They come inside. They all they all get meet by uh, uh, Billy. All right, that's yeah. some all-in stuff. <clears throat> Jerry shows up very, very uh, on the top of the stairs. You know what I mean? Very flamboyant up in the stairs. Very nice. He sees right away Amy. Okay. Mm-hmm. He starts flirting with her right away. All right. Because there was a um, a scene where Charlie did see a picture, like an old painting of this girl who looked exactly like Amy. All right. And they they start, you know, Talking about what Charlie has done with Jerry lately, or they you know calling cops, and over here, like nobody knew that Jerry called the cops on him, or nobody right. knew that Charlie called the cops on Jerry and everything. And they were like kind of shocked mm-hmm. about that, and you know talking about the coffins and everything. And then now they just want to do the test with the holy water, and you can see at first Jerry is like, okay, you know, very slowly doing it. He even checks the water in the fire, which I thought that was very creative. And, yeah, that was cool. And he drinks it. There's like no problem at all. And you know, Peter says, "Yes, this is this water is all blessed. I had the the pasture blessed and everything. There's no problem at all." And then Nancy Charles like, "Well, all right, maybe maybe I was wrong and stuff." And like you know, and they're about to leave, but our our boy brings out Peter actually brings out his little flip mirror, and while they're talking, he can see that. Jerry's there's no reflection in there and he's like wait a minute he starts getting a little nervous and he drops the mirror and it crashes and Jerry's like there's a problem over here he's like no 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 no. we're we're, we're getting out of here let's go and then Charlie notices that he's a little nervous alright and then they're getting back in the car and Charlie's like why are you so nervous did you see something in there what did you see alright and then he eventually gets out of him Peter says he didn't have any reflection I'm getting the fuck out of here all right, so he leaves. And Charlie's like, oh, shit. I knew something was up. All right. So now Charlie, Amy, and, and Evil Ed, they're leaving. or They're going, they're walking um, Amy back home. But Evil Ed, he wants to take the the scary 1980s hall, uh, uh, alleyway. All right. And they're of like, course. like, I'm not going to that fucking alleyway. Are you crazy? There could be vampires in there. I'm just thinking, you know what? Like, there could be, like, fucking actual, like, murderers and rapists in that Yes. This guy gets worried about a fucking vampire. And he was like, like, screw you, asshole. So, he goes down the alley, he tricks him, he does, like, a little joke on him and stuff. Like, he's getting attacked. And then they leave, and now Evil Ed's going down the alley. And I guess Jerry... So, he finds the uh, piece of glass on the floor. All right, and now he thinks, okay, well now, now all these guys are they're on to me, now, so I'm gonna go take them out one by one. So he takes out Evil Ed first. 
He kills him in the mm-hmm. alley, and he turns him into a vampiric creature. Yes. All right. So I thought that part was uh, pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, like he's yeah. So he's not like I was going to ask you about that. So he's not really. A, he's not. Ed is so Ed, is Ed actually a vampire or is he like some kind of like vampire controlled creature? Which I, think, I guess you think he's a vampire controlled creature. Yeah, I think it pretty I, pretty much a vampiric creature. I would assume. Yeah, he's not like a full because, vampire on here. Right, because he, he doesn't have the same kind of change that uh, spoilers Amy will have. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he gets turned. They hear like a scream. Amy and Charlie do, <clears throat> and they don't like. Okay, it's just, Amy just thinks it's um, um, Ed joking. All right. Then they hear like this lighting explosive. They start getting very nervous, and now Jerry is following them. All right. <clears throat> so they notice that they they, uh, they notice that Jerry's following them now. So they get super nervous. So you know what they do, Allison? They what could they do? They sneak into a 1980s restaurant party club kitchen. Uh, yes. <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a full restaurant connected with a nightclub. Yeah, like almost like a kind of a goth club, sort of. It was very interesting. Sort of. It's like mm-hmm. so we have a full restaurant, right? But like, not no, they're cooking, but nobody's eating. They're all dancing on the floor. Yeah, um, almost the, like the. Uh, <laughs> is for like afterwards? Like what? Are, how I big guess is so, this in case place? you get hungry from all the dancing. Um, I mean, it's almost like uh, that other movie, uh, The Hunger, where the I think it is where the people are swimming naked in the pool. Yeah, next next door to where they're eating dinner. <laughs> like, so that was like a combination pool yeah. restaurant. Yeah, this pool. is a combination like uh, nightclub restaurant. Like I've been to some so, nightclubs, right? And I don't think they like yeah. maybe during the day they might have a full restaurant, but like this shit was still they were still cooking in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really strange. While this was club really was coming like, on, like I understand why they <laughs> might go in there because there's a lot of people, you know, and he's not surely he's not going to kill us around a bunch of people. But, yeah, uh, but it is it is really it is really strange. Yes. So during his stuff, Evil Ed shows up at Peter Vincent's house. All right. Mm-hmm. And Evil Ed tricks him, lets him all in. And this is when we realize that Evil Ed has now turned into a vampire Evil Ed. And he starts attacking Peter Vincent. <clears throat> yes. And he's, yeah, he's attacking him stuff. And this is when Peter uses a cross on his forehead. And he's getting like, um, which, okay, so this is another part that didn't really make sense in this movie. Um, <clears throat> and I'll bring this up. Uh, there's there's two things that didn't make sense in this movie to me, which I'll bring up here pretty quickly. So the first one was Peter used the cross on Evil Ed, right? And it mm-hmm. burned his forehead. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember that for later. All yes. right, everybody, remember that. Just remember this part for later. And I'll bring it up. So we're, we're remembering two things. We're remembering uh, the basement, okay, that the vampire sleeps in, and remembering Peter Vincent using a cross. Those are the two things I want everybody to remember. All right? So he uses this. Evil Ed's all freaked out, and he gets on out of there, and he's like, the master's going to come for you for hurting me. Okay? So now Charlie is trying to call the cops through this club, and the cops just totally blow him out. They don't give a fuck about him. All right? And... Like, Charlie is like, 
hey, Amy comes up with the idea, hey, I think you should probably like try to call Peter again and see if he has any ideas to come help us out. Okay, because we're we're stuck. Maybe we can try to convince him. You know, he knows what's going on. So now Charles like, okay, let me give him a call. So during all this stuff, Jerry shows up, and now we're getting some '80s club music going on. So dance, sexual club music going on here, brother. And now Jerry yeah, okay. is drawing Amy towards him. They start bumping and grinding and everything, and start dancing on there. All right, and. Like, eventually Charlie gets off the phone with Peter, who totally ignores him, and he sees him, all right, and he tells Jerry to let her go, and then Jerry just kisses her, and he, mm-hmm. and then, like, he, he's trying to punch him, Charlie starts to punch him and stuff, and then he just knocks him down, and there's the security guards come over, and they take, they take Charlie out, and they're telling Jerry to, to leave, and then Jerry turns into a vampire and just beats everybody's ass, and then the whole club gets all wild and everybody starts running around and freaking out all right and this is when uh amy uh jerry is leaving with amy all right and he evil laughs at charlie taking her out and of course charlie's like no don't go (laughs) so yeah so now he's basically lost his girlfriend to the vampire pretty much yes and she's which i mean makes perfect sense because he's way cooler than charlie for sure pretty much yeah she's been sadist brother Absolutely. So now, so now Charlie goes to Peter and he needs some help. And Peter's just afraid. He's like super afraid. He's like, listen, I'm not a real fucking vampire hunter. Okay. I just play one on fucking TV and I'm super nervous and I'm trying to get the fuck out of town. And like, he's like, Charlie keeps convincing him. I need your help. I need your help. You're, you're Peter Vincent. You're the man to help me out. I was like, no, no, no. I ain't that guy. All right. Leave out here, homie. All right. I ain't that guy. Yep. So now we're back at the vampire house. Amy is all dressed up in white by an 80s fire with some 80s love music going on. That's my whole notes right there, by the way. Yes. She sees her twin in the painting. And Jerry says, yeah, I knew that girl back in the day. She reminds me of you. All right. And then he starts seducing her some more there, brother. All right. And then eventually Amy takes off her shirt and our boy Jerry goes in for the kiss, and he eventually bites her on the neck, and blood comes down her her back. That um, was awesome. I love the way that looked, where he's like biting her in the shoulder or whatever. Yeah. He also doesn't bite her on the neck. He bites her in the yeah, shoulder. shoulder. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's like blood running down her back. That looks yeah. fucking fantastic. Yeah, this whole scene looked good. Like yeah. I like the music went well with it. I thought the seduction. That's the one thing, a good thing about this uh, vampire character, Jerry. Like I said, he's like, he is the, out of all the movies he watched, I think he did the seduction of the females the best. Yeah, um, I agree. So now Charlie has a cross necklace. He looked like some sort of like gothic gangster rapper with his like, <laughs> cross necklace on there. Yeah. All right. And he, his plan is just, I got to go to the house and rescue Amy as I can. And of course, Peter just shows up out of nowhere and he's ready for action. So he's a crybaby in the other scene and now he just got some guts randomly and he, now he's here to help. Okay? Yeah, well, he's got to do it. He's got to he's got he's got to do it at some point, right? Yes. So now he goes up. They go to, they they try to go to the front door, but they're like, "Ah, oh, maybe we should go to the back, but the front door just opens." And now Peter is nervous. So he starts talking to himself. Okay? Mm-hmm. So now they walk in the house and they see Jerry and Jerry's like, 
Welcome to Fright Night for real. All right. And awesome. yes. And this is something I just totally forgot to mention. Jerry did tell Charlie, if you want to see Amy again, I need you, you to come. I need you to bring Peter Vincent. The reason he wants Peter Vincent there is because he doesn't respect Peter Vincent because Peter Vincent had a bunch of TV shows killing vampires, and obviously he's a vampire. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So he might he might know how to kill a vampire. Yes. Well, no, like he doesn't like him. He he wants to torture this guy because he's a fake. He's a phony. Uh-huh. Right. So here's one of the things that I was semi confused on. So they they you know so now he's introducing himself. He's like, "Welcome to the real Fright Night for real." And then our boy um, Peter brings out his cross. It says, stay back, spawn of Satan. And he starts using his cross on him. And Charlie, and then the Jerry's like, well, that cross ain't going to work because you don't really have faith. And I was just thinking, wait a minute. Hold on a second, brother. So <laughs> All right. the cross is going to work on evil Ed. He has enough faith for that, but the cross is not going to work on Jerry. Yes. So this is the only thing about this movie that I don't like. I love the idea yeah. that you don't believe in this, so it's not going to work. Which is like a which is what a tenet of faith is. Faith is about believing in something with no proof. But it works on evil ed. So that that just annoys the shit out of me. Yeah. I mean, it just you know. So I love the idea, like, but I love the idea that 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 they're using, but it doesn't make any sense because it worked on evil ed. Yeah. So the cross doesn't work. So now Jerry knocks him out. Okay. And then uh, Charlie is about... Charlie's cross does work, though. His his faith is is true. So it is working on Jerry. Yeah, it really is. But then Cole slaps his ass. Not not literally his ass, but he slaps his ass down. He, like, slaps his ass. Not his ass, but his face. Okay. (laughs) Down the stairs. (laughs) All right, and then Peter's yes, like, "Fuck this it. shit," and he runs. He just runs away. He's like, "Fuck y'all, I'm out of here." Okay. Right. So Peter goes all the way to Charlie's house to to get his mom. I don't know what the fuck mm-hmm. the mom was supposed to do, but he was looking for the mom, and he finds out the mom wasn't there, but Evil Ed's there, and now we yeah. have this big fight scene between Peter and Evil Ed, and Evil Ed uh, turns himself into a wolf. Okay. Yes. And Peter like fell onto a desk and while the wolf is going to attack him, they're on like the staircase. The the wolf jumps right. onto him and and Peter like impales the wolf while he does it and then the wolf falls onto the chandelier and falls down. And we can see now that there's a long scene of the evil Ed being impaled and then turning back into a, a vampiric creature and then turning back into normal and then he melts. Yes. Okay. We got all that? Yes. So now Jerry takes uh, Charlie to Amy after after, uh, Billy knocked his ass out. And he puts him next to Amy and he leaves a stake there. Like a wooden stake. All right. Mm -hmm. And then this is when we figured out that now Amy has been turned into a vampire, but she's not necessarily awake yet. But Jerry basically says, like, you know, she's either going to kill you or you got to kill her. So it's pretty fucked up. And then now um, Peter is getting him, you know, he got himself together. He goes back to the vampire house and he hears Charlie through the room. 
And he tells Charlotte, hey, make a bunch of noise, and I'm going to try to break you out of here. So Charlie starts making all these noises. Jerry just thinks that the um, the vamp Amy has awakened. All right, mm-hmm. but she hasn't well, awakened yet. So they break out. They get out of the room. All right. And then their plan is like they basically, Peter tells them like the way we can turn Amy back to normal is we have to kill Jerry. Because if you kill Jerry, then, you know, the, the if she's still not, not been impaled yet, she can turn back into her normal state. All right. And, and then he's like, yeah. And then like uh, this part was semi funny though. Like Charles, like, well, how do you know all this stuff? He's like, well, so far everything that that's been in the movie so far has been working. So I just assume that's gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> Which hey, that may, that makes that's as good a plan as any, right? Yeah. I mean, if the movie stuff works, keep doing it. They keep doing it. So they run into Billy. All right, he's there, and their idea to kill Billy because you know they think he's human is the gun. So Peter comes mm-hmm. out in the gun, shoots his right ass in the fucking forehead. But then our boy Billy gets back up. And, and then our boy Peter's like, oh, shit, that didn't work. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Loomis his ass. So he shoots him six more times. Mm-hmm. All right. And he's still alive after that. All right. And then and then eventually well, yeah. he, he grabs Peter. All right. And then eventually Charlie stabs him. All right, and then this is when we see that Billy is some sort of like slimy '80s creature because he just melts. Yes, so that was kind of gross. Where it's yeah. like a yellow goo like coming out of his arms, and then it turns yeah. into like like a dust. Yes, and then his head like rolls off like some like burnt skull head. <laughs> yeah, with a really really nice uh, skull prop at yeah. the end that we got at the end. So now they check on Amy. She's getting worse. All right. Uh, Jerry commands Amy to wake up. All right. And mm-hmm. you need to kill them. You need to kill both of them. That's what she wants her to do. All right. And then they know that he's on the roof right now. So Charlie goes up to the roof to go try to find Jerry. And then Peter goes to see Amy. All right. And like we're saying, like, you know, the the, the cross that, that um, Jerry has... All right, works on the vampire, but now Amy is about to attack Peter, and now his his cross works works with her now. So apparently, Peter Vincent's cross will work on Jerry's uh, uh, vampiric demon creatures, but it won't yeah. work on Jerry himself. Maybe uh-huh. maybe that's it. Maybe it's like the belief is strong enough to work on them, but not on the master vampire. It's one thing I could think of. It's just kind of weird. So Charlie's looking all over the house for Jerry. All right. And then Jerry pops through the window. All right. About to attack his ass. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then um, he, he turns into a bat. Okay. And he's starting to attack them both by the bat. And then this is when we realize that apparently this is like, you know, taking a little long. The, our boy Jerry didn't realize that the sun's about to come up. So they're thinking like, okay, we got this guy. The sun's about to come up and you're going to be doomed and you're going to be turning into ash. And then, like I said, Jerry turns into a vampire, attacks him a little bit. Part, part of the sun gets him a little bit. And then yeah. and then Jerry goes all the way down to the basement. Okay. And then Charlie, Charlie and Peter, they, uh, they go to the basement to go find him. But then Charlie runs into the vamp Amy. 
And this is when we see the vamp Amy, which is, she's on the cover of the movie. Like her face with the big vampire teeth. She kind of looks like that, um, oh God, what's that character from Mortal Kombat? Uh, she was like the girl in the green, you know what I mean? And she would take off her fucking mask and she had those big ass teeth. Oh, I just can't remember her name right now. Um, it wasn't. Yeah, Ma- I know what you're talking about. It wasn't Melania. It wasn't Melania. It was the green one, but like her, mm-hmm. like their evil twin. That's what she kind of reminded me of in this movie. Was that? I thought she looked really cool with that little super like crazy like teeth, vampire teeth, and everything. It looked really cool. Yeah. So they start fighting a little bit. Um. So this is the other part I wanted to bring up. So, Allison, have you been? In, you've been in some basements before, right? I have, yes. So, does your basement have like mirrors or or windows like every like all around it that face the sun? That face the sun <laughs> in your basement. Yeah, I thought that was a little strange, right? Like the uh, <laughs> how? Okay, so the point of a basement, right, is yeah. that it's under the ground. Yeah. Maybe it hit- so how is the sun getting in? And I was thinking, okay, maybe it's just like the level before you get to the basement. But no, like we saw at the beginning that Charlie yeah. tried to go into the actual basement. Basement. There was like yeah, a they took it basement. under the ground. Yeah, underground. Yeah, you you see them going under the ground yeah. with the coffin. Like if it were an attic or something, that yeah. would have made perfect sense. Yeah. But it's not. It's in the basement. So I don't understand this at all. It, like as a writer, like okay, I just talked about how much I love Tom Holland, and I do. But like as a writer, like how can you not see that as a mistake? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I would think that it would be that it would be important for you know for me to have have something that logically makes sense, and it just this just doesn't make any sense. But it's, yeah. but it's it's still a fantastic. Scene. So we get this whole fight scene where you know Jerry he's turning into his like bat like creature, just attacking everybody. But they but Charlie yeah. keeps like throwing shit at the. And okay, so another thing, you know, like in Dance of the Damned, where our mm-hmm. boy Vamp would like, like he would deadbolt like some wood and shit, you know what I mean? On the windows mm-hmm. and stuff. Apparently, our boy Jerry is too lazy. He just put some, uh, he just put some like paint over it or some shit, you know what I mean? Like it was right, so yeah, easy yeah. to break this glass, you know what I mean? He was just throwing shit, like it could be anything. He just blows it and he just breaks his glass like super easy. So he's breaking all the glass. And the the vamp, you know, this is only like certain light comes in at the beginning, and the mm-hmm. vampire creature is about to basically kill Peter Vincent until uh, Peter breaks. I mean, uh, um, Charlie breaks the main glass, and this is when the uh, the vampire creature melts. This is when we see the prop that was supposed to be in Ghostbusters melt with it. Yeah. So after all this, we see that Amy has turned back to normal. All right, and then we cut back to them both making out in the um, in the uh, the uh, the the bedroom again. And then Vincent, uh, Peter Vincent, is back on the air. I guess he got his show back on somehow. Yeah, and I guess he did. Yeah, he he shouts out Charlie on there, and apparently he's doing like not only is he doing vampire films now, he's also doing alien summer camp movies on there now too well yeah i mean he has yeah. to do other stuff right he can't just do yeah Peter Vincent. maybe that's why i got a show back because he said he would maybe he agreed to do other horror style films not just only vampire stuff and then charlie looks next door amy asks is there anything wrong he says nothing 
And then we hear the evil Ed voice uh, laugh to some 80s dance music. Which uh, implies that we're going to get a sequel, which we do, but I think it has nothing to do with this ending, though. I think Charlie and Peter Vincent are in it. Um, I believe the sequel, I've never seen it, but I believe the sequel is is a comedy. Yeah, well, this one was supposed to be a comedy, too, in parts of it. Well, yeah, and it is, but it's, I think, well, I don't know, maybe I just take it way more seriously, but this is almost like a serious vampire movie, but it does have some comedic elements, intentionally or not. But yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it did have, um, yeah, I I thought this, the way they did this style, like, comedy was, like, good. Because it wasn't like that, like, we're going to hit you in the face with a bunch of stupid jokes, like Saturday the 14th or nothing. But we would have, like, you know, there would be some comedic elements to it. Like, you know, we would have, like, the the Peter Vincent character was, like, you know, an, an homage to, like, the 50s vampire films. But he was, like, very over the top and he was faking everything. You know, we would have yeah. Charlie, you know, being, like, a little goofy throughout the movie. Evil Ed was saying some goofy lines and shit. So, you know, they added some comedy in it. But I thought it actually worked for the film. Yes. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It was cool. It was like, um, it was very 1980s. Um, you know, it was like, this is like a movie that you could show to people, you know, who wanted to know what the 1980s was like. And like, this is a stereotypical 1980s movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I really like this movie. I like this movie a lot. Um, is it not, is it different than you expected it to be? Or what did you think about on your first viewing? No, like it, it kind of, so my first viewing, I would say, the way when I was, you know, watching it, like it, it kind of, yeah, I can't really put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. It did remind me of exactly like what it, what it sounds like. You know, it's a it's a it's a kid who figured out that he had a vampire living next door and how he would deal with it. Okay, so I like the realism, you know, and they try to make everything kind of like real with it. Yeah, certain certain parts of it at least. Um. But yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, I thought it was pretty fun. It's kind of like a fun little movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, you know, like a fun little tale. You know, it's not too dark. You know, it's not too light. It's like somewhere like right in the middle. You know? You know, obviously we didn't we didn't see a lot of like, you know, dark, you know, vampire, you know, lore to it. Um, but no, I thought it was a, I, was, I thought it was like. There's a, some things that are pretty yeah. dark though. Yeah. Um, like the scenes where he's like converting uh, Amy, I thought it was pretty dark. Where she's like turning into a vampire and she's like sweating on the on the little on the floor or whatever, and like all curled up in a fetal position. That was kind of yeah. dark. Um, and the blood running down her back was 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 real kind of dark. But uh, but yeah, I thought. I mean, I like this movie a lot, and I'm 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 I mean, you know, I'm kind of glad that um that you enjoyed it at least. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely fun. Uh, we'll have to come back maybe a different month to do the sequel. Let's see how that one worked yeah. out. <laughs> I mean, maybe we can do it in a, another horror comedy month if we uh, if we decide to do that. Ever yeah, again. or a vampire month. You know, you know, or a vampire month. Of That's true. We could always do that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that kind of rounds out our, uh, our vampire month. I thought this was a really fun month for the uh, month of November. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. we kind of like explored different sides of the vampire lore. You know what I mean? Um, this has actually been one of my favorite months we've done here on the Retro Blood. I thought that was a really fun, um, fun, fun look at this like different style, like vampire films in the eighties. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really fun. And you know, we'll probably, we'll, you know, I know there's more. There's definitely a lot more vampire films out there in the '80s, so we'll probably have to revisit this month sometime down the sure. road. Uh, but speaking of that, Allison, what are we going to be talking about all of next month in March, brother? It's going to be a big month. We got five It'll reviews a, to do. Brother. Yeah, I know. We got five shows next month at least. So uh, we're yeah. going to do 1980s horror anthologies. Oh, a story so, within a know, story. A story within a story, brother. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna be pretty fun. Like anthology stuff is pretty pretty wild, and there's there's like a shit ton of them that happened around here in the '80s too. So that's gonna be pretty fun. A lot of them, yeah. Which is uh, yeah. So there's gonna be some good. Are there gonna be some that you've heard of, and some that are pretty obscure? So we'll see. So what are we gonna be starting off with? I mean, let's start off hot. Let's start off with the classic from 1982, Creep Show. Ooh, Creep Show, brother. That's probably like the the most famous, I would say, Creep Show. I, yeah, I would say Creep Show uh, is probably Creep Show and Twilight Zone. The movie are probably the two most famous uh, uh, anthology horror movies from the eighties. Yeah, I would say so. So yeah, that should be fun. Yeah, everybody, check us out. Their first Creep Show. Come back here at the beginning of March. But everybody, thanks for joining us here on the Retro Blood. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube channel. We got a lot of stuff coming this month. And I hope you all enjoyed Vampire Month. And I say, let's get out of here with some artillery. How about we talk yeah. about King Thy Name is Slayer, brother? Hey, that's what I was going to pick too. That's perfect. That's a great song I, for this movie. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, our boy Jerry thought he might be the king. You know what I yeah. mean? Going into this. A uh, suburban town, thinking he can just kill a bunch of prostitutes, do whatever he wants. He can capture this girl named Amy that looked a lot like somebody new from back in the day. But no, he got screwed because he did not board up his windows. So everybody, if you're a vampire out there, just don't forget to board up your windows. Come on. Yeah, you got to do it if you're a vampire. Let's do it. But everybody, thanks for joining us. Jay Allison, James Klein, we will see you here next week on the Retro Blade. See you guys.